0: bring a child into this world. Every parent in every generation has asked that question, you know. And if you asked Mary and Joseph that 2,000 years ago, there is no way they would have believed it was the best time to bring a baby into this world. No way. Life expectancy in this country is around about 80 years old. In first century Palestine, it was more like 20 years old because infant infant, um, and, um, and baby... And mortality was so very, very high. If you had shown Mary and Joseph a film clip of what um, their baby might be grown into or born into, it would definitely involve a lot of poverty. It would definitely involve a lot of illnesses that we just don't see anymore. It might even shown them a video clip of what was going to happen. What was going to happen to their boy when he grew up? <clears throat> It might have shown him being arrested and accused and tried in a dodgy court for something that he hadn't done and and then beaten and spat on and brutalized and tortured and then killed in the most brutal way those Romans could ever think of. This film might have shown them that. Why bring a child into this world? But, but you know, maybe if you were to ask Mary and Joseph, they might have answered in a way that one of those parents answered, our world needs more good guys, and I'm hoping our kid's going to be one of them. And they would answer that, not because they hoped he would, because they knew he would, because they were told by an angel, no less, that this boy that was going to be born wasn't just going to be one of the good guys. He was going to be God himself in human form, the Lord of the universe in a tiny manger. <clears throat> and that's why Mary agreed to, to take a risk on an out-of-marriage, um, um, you know, pregnancy that, that usually, you know, should have got her killed. Actually, back then. And that's why Joseph agreed to take this woman as his wife, believing that no man had touched her even though she was pregnant. And that's why they both agreed to bring this boy up even though they were promised something terrible was going to happen to him that would pierce them to their very heart. Why bring a child into this world? I have time for only three uh, quick answers. And here's the, the first one. Because we needed somebody to take our place. You know, from the moment of Adam's fall, humanity has struggled to kind of sort itself out, to return to Eden, to to return to the um, goodness and fairness and and justice, and you just need to scan the last 4,000 years of history to see how that has turned out. It's been a mess. It's been a horrible, bitter mess. You know, never mind the... Up to approximately 1 billion people who have died from conflicts in the last 4,000 years. Never mind the 100 million who died just last century alone. You Never mind the nearly 700 people, nearly 9% of the world's population who um, you know, today are living in extreme poverty under our noses while the Western world lives in wealth and luxury. Never mind all that stuff. You know, putting all that aside, if you and I look into our own hearts, we see pride and we see greed and we see self seeking and maybe anger and maybe lust. All of us have some of that. You know, here's the actual crux of it though God has none of that stuff. None of that stuff. He exists in such brilliance and beauty, not a mark or a stain or a fleeting wrong thought. Um, His holiness is so pure, it's like a fire. It's like, it's like a burning flame. Us and him can't exist in the um, you know, same room. The earth cries out for justice, the accumulation of all our sin, neither humanity in general, or you and I in, in a particularly individually can stand before God by ourselves. We needed somebody to take our place. The technical theological term for this substitutionary atonement, if I could even say it. Somebody had to atone for our sins, to pay for our sins, and you and I weren't up to the job. You know, and, and nowadays we don't like to think much about sin at all. Or those old-fashioned words of, of, of you know, transgressions or iniquities. We, we don't often think of it as terrible anymore. You know, we don't need telling that sin is terrible when we hear about a teenage girl in India who's raped and burned in her own home. We don't think of sin as terrible when we hear about a, a young girl being stabbed in Liverpool or a little tiny innocent boy being tortured and murdered by his parents in the, I mean, the West Midlands. We don't. Need telling that sin is terrible when we watch the people of Homs um, living in rubble, eating rotting food because they are starving. We don't need telling that it's terrible then. But you know, nowadays we don't like to talk about or think about sin. You know, sins are just the extra stuff that we eat on, on Slimming World or the other one, I forget what it's called. One of those. The world doesn't like the church talking about sin, and in general, in general, we don't. You know, we, we, we talk about new life instead, which is right and true. We talk about the um, you know, resurrection, which is right and true. We, 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 but oftentimes, like Peter on the road toward Jerusalem, we want the resurrection that bypasses the crucifixion. We don't want to talk about sin. But this thing that Jesus came to face head on was brutal and corrosive and destructive. It it was darkness and despair and hopelessness. It it was evil on a grand scale and evil in the hidden parts of our hearts. It was all that was terrible on a grand scale in our world and all that is terrible in the dark and hidden parts of our lives. Somebody had to deal with this stuff. And you and I, we weren't up to the job. Why bring a child into this world? Because somebody had to take our place. And to take our place, he needed to really take our place. You know, many of you will know a story, a fictional story, of course it is fictional, of when the people of earth were gathered before God's throne at the end of time. And these people gathered, as huge crowd, some of them sort of nervous, some of them embarrassed, but other ones were very angry. How can God judge us, said one teenage girl? How can God know about suffering? And she ripped open her sleeve to show a tattoo from a Nazi um, a concentration camp. In my short life, I endured terror and beatings and torture and death. Another group, a, a man stepped forward and said, you know, what about me? I was homeless as a a young man, my family abandoned me, the government didn't help me, I I was in poverty until I died of a drug overdose. And then one by one, others stepped forward, a girl with the word illegitimate stamped on her forehead, A, a man imprisoned and tortured for his religious beliefs, a horribly deformed little boy a badly burned soldier from World War II. All of them shouted cries before God, how can God judge them? After all, he lived in comfort in heaven by himself, sheltered. If he was going to judge them, God must endure what they had endured. And so these people huddled together in this big crowd before God's throne and they set their terms and one by one they read them out before the throne of God. God must be sentenced to live on earth as a man. Let him be born a despised ethnic minority. Let the identity of his father be in doubt. Let him be homeless and live in poverty. Let him be accused and derided as insane. Let him be betrayed by his friends. Let him be arrested on false charges, tried before a biased jury, and convicted by a cowardly judge. Let him, feel what it, let him see what it feels like to be terribly alone completely abandoned by every living thing. Let him be tortured and then then die a long, cruel, humiliating, agonizing death. And as each of these statements was read out, the whole crowd cheered. Let this happen. This is what God should endure if he was going to judge them. But suddenly there was silence. And before God's throne, nobody spoke, nobody moved, for suddenly they all knew God had already served his sentence. Why bring a child into this world? The weight of suffering and injustice and pain and inequality from every murder to every hateful thought we keep in our minds, from genocide to a violent temper, from the the great crimes of Hitler to the petty Selfishness of you and I, he had to deal with it all. He had to take it all. We needed somebody to take our place. Why bring a child into this world? Because we needed somebody to take our place. And secondly, because we needed a savior. And you know, sometimes we forget that Christmas is not so much a celebration of, of a birthday. But of a sacrifice You know, something happened to me 11 years, two months and nine days ago that changed my life completely. Um, on October 10, 2010, so on 10, 10, 10, at 1:10 p.m., my, my son was born. I became a father you know, for, for the um, first time. And since then, it's happened three more times. And each time I've reacted in the same way. I've, I've cried like a baby. I've cried more than the baby. You know, as, as I held this little life in my arms, you know, I was utterly blown away by what had just happened. My son, my daughter. And I have a friend, a, a great friend, a really great guy, the most gentle of men. But he said when his son was was, was born, he said the... He said, the love I feel for my son is the fiercest, most frightening emotion I've I've ever felt. I would truly kill for my son, he said. I don't think he would, of course, but that's what he felt like. And I understand this. The love we have for our children is fierce, is overwhelming, it's frightening even. You know, but this story of of Christmas is not about a love that drives a father to kill for his son, It's it's the story of a love that gives up his son to be killed. And on the verge of Christmas we are standing on the edge of a frightening, terrible transaction. And all the kind of um, you know, Christmas puddings and presents and candles and, and uh, you know, candles and carols all good stuff, they're all good stuff, but sometimes they cover up the unbelievable truth of what we are standing on the edge of. And there is a bridge in South India called the Pampan Bridge. And if you drive up to it, there's a picture there of, of a man, a, a, a middle-aged man, holding a small, broken body to his chest and, and weeping. And this built, this bridge was built in the early 1900s, and it was built in such a way that that it it could be lifted up for ships to go underneath, and then brought down for trains to actually cross over. And at that time, a certain middle-aged man was given the job of raising and lowering this this bridge. And one day, as he was lowering this bridge, as a ship had passed, he noticed a train coming. It was not automated. He had to do it himself. He noticed a train coming, and so he rushed to to get this bridge down in time for this train to actually pass. And on that day, as he sometimes did, his nine-year-old son came to bring him his lunch. And when this boy saw his father struggling to get this this bridge down, he dropped the um, lunchbox and ran to stop, helping him roll those wheels and get this bridge down. But he went to the opposite end of the bridge and, and started rolling it down. And all this time, this train was getting closer. And suddenly this man heard his son cry out. His son's finger had got stuck inside the wheel and he started crying out to his dad. And his father was suddenly struck with a horrendous dilemma because he knew that if he ran to help his son, he would not have time to, to finish lowering this bridge. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people on that train would die. And in that second... He chose to ignore his son's cry. With all his strength, he kept on rolling those wheels, lowering that bridge. And tears rolled down this man's cheeks for as the the wheels rolled on, his, his son slowly started being drawn and slipping into this huge machinery. And slowly, his son's whole body fell into this machine and his father could hear his bones breaking And still he rolled those wheels. And this train, with thousands of passengers, slowly rolled on past. As with great cries, this man pulled his son's broken body from the machine and held it close to his chest, and he cried bitterly. And the train passed by, oblivious oblivious to the sacrifice that had saved their lives, the sacrifice of a son by a father for those he did not know. And, you know, some of us know and some of us forget that if we dig down, this is the real story of Christmas. All the carols, all the candles, or the Christmas puddings, all the presents, all good stuff are in celebration, not so much of a birthday, but of a sacrifice. The sacrifice of a son who gave up his, of a father who gave up his son for the sake of many, many people. And most of them don't even know him. Why bring a child into this world Because we needed somebody to take our place, and because we needed a saviour. You and I, we need a saviour. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? And there is a scene in that video clip that you saw but didn't hear, something Jesus said to his mother. And uh, as we saw in that that clip Jesus has been whipped and punished mercilessly for what seems like an age and he's staggering through Jerusalem toward his horrific death and 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 um, you know Jesus's mother is frantically trying to make contact with him one last time and finally reach, reaches up and 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 meets him, and Jesus takes her by her, her face and holds her and looks at her and says, behold, mother, I am making all things new again. And this, this is a beautiful part of what is a horrible and tragic moment, but it isn't historically accurate. Jesus never said this at that point. At least the witnesses don't prove it or don't point to it. But he did say it much later on at the end in Revelation when the cover is temporarily lifted off heaven and we see Jesus on his throne and he surveys all that has been and all that will be. And from that throne he says, Behold, I'm making all things new again. Why bring a child into this world? Not just because we needed somebody to take our place. Not just because we needed a saviour. But because we needed somebody to make it new again. You know, and my friends, as I come to an end, Jesus is saying these words over you today, over all of us. All the darkness and decay of sin. I am making it new again. All that is broken and crippled in your life, Jesus says, I'm making it new again. All the years the locusts have stolen from you, I'm making it new again. All the pain and regrets and broken dreams, I'm making it new again. Behold, I am making all things new again. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new. This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Why bring a child into this world? Because we needed someone desperately to take our place. Because we needed a saviour. And because we needed somebody to make it all new again. Let's just pray as we end. There are some people who have come to church for years maybe who still don't know Jesus as their saviour. Who still don't realise that they needed somebody to take their place and to make things new again. And if that is you in this building or online or whatever. This is the opportunity. Jesus has said, I've done this for you. I've done it for you. I've come to save you. All you have to do is accept it. And you know, there are some of us who have known this for many years, and we've lived with it. Jesus is our saviour. In some ways, though, we have forgotten. We have forgotten this. We've forgotten what God has done for us. The enormity of the sacrifice that he's done for us and for the world that which we live in. And Jesus is saying to you, remember again what I've done for you. Let it change how you pray Change how you act toward your neighbor. I died for the neighbor. I died for the person who cut you up as you drove here this morning. I died for them. I died for your world. Lord God, we thank you that this season is a reminder to us, God, that you sent your Son for the sake of many. The reason for the birth, ultimately, was the death, actually. And for all that you accomplished through it. Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful. We are thankful, Lord, for what you have done for us. Lord, may we take, may we know this truth. May we take it out into our world. May it fill our world in this Christmas season as we share it with our neighbours and friends, those who need to know a Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.